Something beyond comprehension is happening to a little girl on this street, in this house. A man has been sent for as a last resort to try and save her. Welcome to the latest episode of the podcast that wouldn't die. I'm your host, Kevin. With me, as always, is Aaron. What a lovely day for an exorcism. (laughs) In case you missed it, we'll be doing the uh, horror movie classic. The Exorcist with Linda Blair, Ellen Burstyn, Max von Sydow, or is it Sydow? How do you? Pronounce I was gonna. Ask, I thought you were. I was gonna say Sydow. Uh, Either one. But I, I I didn't bother to look it up. You know him, don't you? Homie, so don't you, you know me? Now, obviously, we have both seen this movie ten thousand times, and then um, ten thousand times before that. So it definitely dulls like the the fear aspect of it for yes. me um but it's still dynamite it is still dynamite that's my professional opinion thoughts uh well i have to tell you this that i had this recorded in my dvr forever now it's been in there for three years because okay. i'm pushing movies that i have in my dvr instead of paying for movies that's, for the yep. review so i didn't realize it recorded off the sundance channel and I mean, mostly it was all in there. Uh, it was your mother sucks in hell. Uh, there is the picture of the the Madonna at the church, but the whole cruci- crucifix masturbatory scene was removed. Yeah, I uh, I went on Amazon Prime, and they had both versions. They had the regular version, and they had what was called the director's cut. And All I right. said, I'm, I'm going full freight. So I got the director's cut. So we'll be able to uh, compare and contrast the TV edited, edited version uh, versus the director's cut. So good And times. by TV edited version, I don't mean it was on ABC at 8, 8 p.m. You know what I mean? It was ABC Sunday Night at the Movies. <laughs> it was the, the wonderful world of Disney. And <laughs> <It> the <was>. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. All right. Let me give you my two-second uh, story breakdown. Please do. Uh, mom and daughter living in this fantastic uh, house, mansion in Georgetown, which is outside of Washington, D.C. She's an actress. They're filming a movie there. She's a mom vivant. Uh, mm-hmm. And then mother, boom, daughter possessed by, not a demon, claims to be possessed by the devil. Priests devil are involved. Uh, priest die, girl is saved, all is right with the world for now. The end. until the sequels, until the sequels, exactly. <laughs> Sweet Jesus. Um, do you remember your initial thoughts when you first saw this? There are parts of it that made me so uncomfortable, and of it's course. not even like the even the deep. It's not even necessarily the demon stuff. That's creepy. But like the priest relationship with his poor mother who's living alone and, yep. you know. Demi, Demi. Ah, why you do this to me, Demi? I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh my God. That was good stuff. I mean, it is the dude who plays uh, the main priest. Uh, I don't Father Karras? Father Karras. I don't know if he ever did anything else 
but this was his role. I mean, it was so, he's so conflicted, questions about his faith. Uh, You know, my mother lives in squalor because I'm a, a psychiatrist, but I'm in the priesthood and his uncle doesn't miss a beat reminding him that you know you could be a, a park avenue psychiatrist if only you weren't a priest kind of a situation that guilt drips but i will tell you there's some uh, some major league quotes from this movie this is this is solid solid oh, no question. Rock. yeah i didn't see this movie until i was in high school well, so of we're course talking. not. It's, it is Disturbo. It is Disturbo. Well, I, I had obviously heard about it. You know, yeah. I, you know, going into it, I was under the impression it's like the scariest movie ever made. Kind of quarter, though. Um, so when I saw it, it was like a sleepover, like a bunch of guys. Like, oh, uh, oh a... this is a, a perfect yeah. turn off the lights. You don't want to be alone. Have a bunch of people watching in utter silence. No question. And it's kind of a slow burn, isn't it? Yeah. It's like they, you know, just to jump right on in. Um, the whole be- for beginning, like, 20 minutes is Max von Sydow, like, doing archaeology work. Out in Iraq. In Iraq. Yeah. I didn't so, know you could become a priest and then just f*** off and do whatever the hell you want. I'm, you I'm, do it. I'm writing books. I'm an archaeologist. Uh, the church pays for all this, and I don't need to deal with with people or confessions or raising funds. Boom! You can do whatever you want. Who well, here's, here's the question: Does that archaeology site? Because he finds like the the idol, and there's the the statue, and then it's smash cut Georgetown. Yeah. And is there? Are we supposed to think? When he discovered the idol, that that somehow caused the possession of Linda Blair in Washington, D.C., thousands of miles away. Or was it uh, like a warning of things to come? I didn't get that it caused it, but it's a song. I thought it was like a sign that you need to prepare. Okay. Because it's really kind of a loose, a loose, loose connection. And then old Max disappears until the last like thirty minutes of the movie, or yeah. Whatever. You're you're in Iraq, and where, quite frankly, it, it just he's wandering the streets of, of Iraq, and people are are just doing day to day work. There's a blacksmith. Yeah. There's this. There's that. But it's terrifying. <laughs> Am I right? It, it, it's creepy music. Yes. It's yes. strange. It, it, it's like you've been transported into this dangerous world and they do that all by music because you change the music then you're just watching one of these you know um uh what am i saying one of these shows about people in different areas of the world there used to be a show back in the old days called other people other places and i was obsessed with it and it could be just that oh here in iraq they do this do that but because the music they play now it is sinister. It's a strange place. You know, right. it's made to make you feel uncomfortable. And this is before the tubular bells. Tubular yeah. bells doesn't and for about forty-five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, the, the the person who did the music is clearly a genius. Genius. Now we're going to talk about this behind the scenes, but there's a whole backstory about the music. All right. Is. There's really like three central stories going on here. There's the whole Father Marin in Iraq 
thing going on. All right. There's Father Karras, the, the priest who's losing his faith and all his stuff with his, his Greek mother in, in New York who lives alone. Um, and her trials and tribulations, she's of poor health. She's got some kind of leg issue. I don't know what's going on. They had to put her in the psych ward because they're she's, so poor. She's Greek? Yeah. yeah. They're Greek. Father Karras is Greek. I swear to God, I thought that old woman was speaking Italian. Nope. All right. They're Greek. See, that's why That's why I've always had trouble with languages. This is I, serious sw- I, was, I was like, I don't, I don't, this Italian is so strange because I, I really don't understand what she's saying. See, I, I, <laughs> again, I listen with the subtitles on. So it's um, like she's listening to Greek music. She's listening to like all sorts of Greek stuff. Going that on. was my other thing. I'm like, I wonder what part of Italy she's in. She's the, gr- the Greek she's, part. The Greek part. Um, but so she gets sick and the uncle sends her to the psycho ward. Is that what happens? Is you know, it the county hospital? But they're full of like deranged psychopaths. Yes. Like Father Karras walks in there and everyone's like, ah, coming like not a living dead. Yes, I have no idea. <laughs> Things are going. Why, I mean, why would that even make sense? Sorry, we only have room in the psycho ward for your lacerated leg or whatever. Right, and then she's dead. Oh, sorry to hear about your mom dying last week. If she's so bad, why don't you, her brother, go take care of her? Like what with a pillow, or what are you talking about? <laughs> move in there. Move her in. For God's sakes. These are all important questions. So there's that subplot. Uh, then, of course, the main subplot is Chris. What's her name? Chris. Oh, crap. Ellen Burstyn's character's name. It's Reagan McNeil. Is that it? Chris McNeil. Is, is it, it Ryan O'Neill? It's Ryan O'Neill. <laughs> and she, like you said, she's like a famous actress. Right. No, Super no. People famous. are coming up. People are there watching. She's, you know. Yeah, whatever she, doesn't, whatever she did. Yeah, she doesn't normally live in the D.C. area. She's there because she's filming a movie. Um, but she's like p- having parties all the time. I guess she's a bon vivant. She's a bon vivant. Her, I guess, her ex-husband or soon-to-be ex-husband is yeah, in Rome. Like soon-to-be, he obviously also an actor. Right, he's in Rome doing something. So there's all sorts of stuff going on. It's yeah. like. But, I mean, the household seems like it's a loving household. She's having a good time with little Reagan, mm-hmm. uh, who's like 12. How old do you think she is? Yeah, she's like a very immature 12. She's yes. not a sophisticated 12. She's still like a little baby. Right. She's I a mean, baby she could 12. Be, she could be 8. Or 18. <laughs> but in this exactly. case, she, she's just like, you know, still snuggling in bed with her mommy when she gets, you know, having a nighttime problem or right, oh, right before she's possessed. Right. When she's like, my bed is shaking at night, mommy. Yeah, that was a thing. Um, that, but that was the other thing about this movie I found interesting. It was like, it seems like her problems aren't that big of a deal early on. Like, the mom sent her to the doctor when it was like, not much was going on. Am well, I wrong? Here, here's the, the dealio. They also try to set it, kind of set it up so maybe you think it's not what you think it is. Right. You know, it's like, 
they kind of set it up at the very beginning. I mean, later on, clearly this is not yes. this is not yes. the Enfield Poulter guys with a couple of shenanigan no. girls. No. But at first, they kind of want you to question it. Like when when she first meets uh, Karis, does your daughter know about my mother uh, dying? Oh no! But then we see earlier that Reagan is indeed like listening in when her mom's on the phone, like trying to track down her crazy husband. Right, right. That's kind of the trigger, if you will. Like it's Reagan's birthday is rolled around. Her right. husband's nowhere to be found. Uh, and then it's the next day. It's like, my bed is shaking. I'm going to come down and pee on the floor in the middle of your party kind of thing. Um, I mean, it gives you, if you really kind of think about it, it's like all of these kind of girl possession things right about puberty. Right. There's, there's a trigger. Yep. There's acting out. She knows things that she's not supposed to know, but yep. it, it, is it because she overheard things? Now, once she's speaking backwards and in Latin and they're not Catholic, uh, I don't know what Catholic helps you uh, speak backwards. It's but just it, naturally. It, it would have helped you with your Latin. That, then you just, you're like, okay, okay. Well, gotcha. and that's the thing. It's like, literally, she goes in and the bed is bouncing around. The mom jumps on the bed. I think that point, you check out possession. They start going, they continue on with like the spinal taps and the cat scans. When the bed is moving around by itself, it's time to get a second opinion. But you got to remember, this is like, you weren't even born yet. This is how old this is. Yeah. And nobody was talking about demon possessions. We talked about the Warrens with our other movies. Yep. Nobody, they hunted ghosts. Nobody even talked about demon possessions right. until this movie. That's correct. So yeah. now we're all sophisticated. I mean, in the Enfield one, those girls were bouncing. The bed was vibrating off the ground. Well, they were just fucking bouncing on it. They're <laughs> bouncing and bouncing and bouncing, and you get up the momentum, you know? Well, They're and not, I mean, it's not a Tempur-Pedic. No. These are old spring, old-timey mattresses. This is not Swedish uh, crazy foam mattresses like we have now. Well, again, it's like there's some things they can explain away. Like if there's a lesion on her lobe or something, right. they're like, that could cause change in personality. Because when she goes in there to get like the full medical makeup, you already see her being kind of surly with mm -hmm. the doctor. That was the first time you're, we as audience is seeing like kind of this change. Uh, well, I'm sure you got three girls. This, probably, this is probably uh, already starting to happen over at your house. Oh, no <laughs> question. We've been, we've been looking for lesions for a couple of years. <laughs> wah, wah. It's Truly, a sad situation. I, 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 I don't think I could have survived if I had daughters. I, I, I don't think I would have ever made it. Well, you, I mean, and that's when the stuff go, gets serious and the doctors can't explain it. And the 88 doctors, she literally says. I don't know what you do at that stage of the game. You just lose your mind. I, I love you, baby. But if I'm walking around with a huge black eye that right. even 1970s sunglasses can't cover up, uh, we're putting you right into Damien Karras' war next, to, next to, to grandma there. They can all visit each other. Right. Well, they're like, they were prescribing like Thorazine. <laughs> 
to try yeah. to get her to, to totally calm down. Because she, like, literally they had to drug her. She's spazzing out. Uh, well, the but cr- go ahead. I didn't see any of this uh, crudly going on at the hospital or the doctor's offices. Only in her house. Right. Well, it's, and I guess, is the movie canceled, in- by the way? Because she isn't like, oh, damn, I got to get to the set. You know? I think that was it. I think that was the wrap-up, wasn't it? That was the uh, end? And oh, the, maybe that's what it was. And the director right. is the one who flew out the window at the beginning. Yes. Uh, the director, Burke. Yeah. Uh, he had, he was a weird, his whole thing was bizarre. He was a crazy alcoholic who's shouting like German slurs at uh, Chris's German manservant. And has to get thrown out of the party. Do you remember this scene? I absolutely. I'm like, he is a terror. What an asshole. And then when the poor, the poor German bad father uh, cracks and Finally starts snaps. to beat him, he just starts laughing. <laughs> right. <laughs> so he gets he gets thrown out the window, uh, and he bounces down those long, long flight of stairs. Absolutely. Which causes like a murder investigation. Now you got uh, Lee, Lee J. Cobb rolling in there as like Lieutenant Fenderhead or whatever. I don't remember his name. Is. Because this is like super crazy, long, long, narrow stairs where clearly if you slipped, you better hold on to that rail because you are going to die. So there's obviously right. no other crimes going on in Georgetown. None. Because I'm going to have this dude just working on this, working on this, working on this. Absolutely. Well, they said the, the thing that tipped them off is that his head was basically on backwards. No. That's which the, it seems unlikely that would occur falling down the stairs. Considering it's 900 flights of concrete stairs. I, the only thing unusual is that the head is still attached. Well, the other interesting thing is that the house... Like, the stairs are not just outside the window. They're, like, across the street. So she had to launch his body out the window with a cannon. across the street. The they stairs are. are behind them. They're not, there's a street that separates the house from that uh, staircase. So you're saying that someone would have to pick up the little, this little Irishman and fling him all the way across the road down the stairs. I'm saying I, she needed a catapult. Yeah, basically. <laughs> well, it, interesting detective work. Thank you. That's how I roll. Uh, so that's the whole. So there's that. The the another subplot is the police officer interviewing, like uh, Father Karras, interviewing uh, Chris McNeil to try to figure out what happened. And none of uh, them were there when it happened. So what what do they have to contribute? Exactly. It's all a mystery to me. Yeah. Eventually, but eventually he doesn't she... interview the little girl who is the only person in the room with him. Or well, actually... he was going to, but she was having, you know, possession. But actually, nobody knows for certain that he fell out the window. What are you suggesting? I mean, there are no eyewitnesses. That is true. So, and first of all, why would you have this crazy old drunk watch uh, the, the, the demon child anyway? And why would he have gone upstairs? These are questions that they actually uh, talk about in the book. In the book, it's implied that he was molesting her. Ooh. Yeah. And so I guess the demon helped out at that point. So was it? molesting me. They're like, I'm already molesting her from the inside out. So I, I don't want any competition. Is that what you're saying? Well, what's creepy is is earlier in the movie, Linda Blair kind of uh, suggests that 
uh, Chris and Burke have something going on. Yes. Which seems weird. Yes. Like, do you like him as much as daddy? Oh, right. Ew. So who, who knows? Who knows what's going on with the story? She's like, it's, hell no. Right. So eventually, like what, an hour and a half into the movie, she eventually convinces Father Karras to come in and take a look. Yeah, I because mean, a lot. Because the psychiatrist, I guess, didn't come up with anything. But I'm sorry, you need to go. Let's do the exorcism uh, somewhere else so I can get some rest. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, that, that's the thing. I swear to God, an hour of this movie is just the, the buildup. Right. Well, because it's not um, it's not really that scary where it's like doctors poking and prodding her and the psychiatrist kind of interviewing her, all this stuff. You know what I mean? It's like a procedural. It's like St. Elsewhere or something. It is. Well, yeah. because it's based on a true story, you know. Very, very, very loosely based <laughs> upon a true story. Is, isn't it? the? That's always how it is. It's always how it is. There once um, was a case that someone thought was an exorcism. Boom! That's how we got the movie. There, my, <laughs> there, was, basically. there was a guy and a priest once in the same room. Boom! Well, that's what they, basically Father Karras says, well, if you want an exorcism, the first thing we need to do is go back in time to the 1600s. Yeah. Because good, now we know about one. psychiatry and, you know, it's not all, every time somebody acts up, it's not demonic possession. We know that now. Yeah. So. <laughs> that's a good call. Um, it really kicks in, in my mind, obviously, when old Father Marin reappears at the end of the movie. That's when they put the foot on the gas. Right. You know Be what I'm saying? Because Karis, it was like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it meets the criteria, Bishop, but really, this is a mental disorder. Because remember, Father Karis is a psychiatrist? Right. Or a psych psychiatrist. Okay. So he's a medical doctor. Yes. Well, he, he became a priest first, and then they sent him to medical school to become a psychiatrist, is what he said. Is that a thing? Like, instead of the army, for if you want to become a doctor or something, you can join, join the priesthood? Or you can scrub I, floors, you don't know? It's hard to know what's going on. We need to call honestly. Father Mark and, and check this out. Well, that's a, Father Karras is brooding the whole time, telling everyone who will listen to him, I've lost my faith. Like, literally, Chris McNeil's walking by the church, and she can hear him loudly going like, I just don't believe in God anymore. Yeah, like, and he's he's announcing also to anyone who will listen. Most of the people he's counseling have lost their faith too. Right. So I'm not the one to help them. Yeah, is basically the the reoccurring theme. You know, They're, it's not a hostage situation. You can leave. That's true. I think he was looking for them to transfer him to where. Where are you going to be transferred? Yeah, that's a good question. Where is the place they transfer priests who've lost their faith? I don't know where that is. The private well, sector? I know where they transfer the ones who do bad things, but... That's a whole other story. That's a different story. There's actually a third priest in this movie that gets a lot of airtime. Father Dyer. Yes, the upbeat, happy priest. Friends, yes. friends to all. Who, uh, who attends all the high society parties. Loves to sing show tunes. Exactly. He's a, he's a, the friendly gay priest. <laughs> handsome. Life of the party. Right. The celebrities seek him out. Absolutely. That's, yeah. He actually, this is kind of a, a cast thing. He was a real priest from Georgetown. 
Shut your mouth. Interesting. Now, he taught classes at Georgetown and would always, like, as part of his, uh, uh, I don't know, his syllabus, he talked about The Exorcist. That's fascinating. So, you yeah. know, at one point, when I was a sophomore in high school, I was going to go to Georgetown and, and study international relations. But then I realized when you have a C average, you Not don't so get much. many opportunities over at ye old Georgetown. <laughs> it's a sad situation. <laughs> um, I had many highfalutin goals and objectives back in high school. <laughs> She's got the dr- she's got the dream, but not the drive. That's true. Beauty school dropout. <laughs> um, so yeah, th- to me, the the highlight of the show is the final scenes where it's Father Marin, Father Karras, and the 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 possessed Linda Blair floating around, and it's a lot of the, the power of Christ compels you. Ah, uh, I say That's that in class my... once a month. Oh, easy, easy, easy. Get away from me, demon. Get get thee gone. <laughs> um, dynamite. Dynamite. Any any other uh, highlights you want to talk about oh before we move on? I'll just throw out a couple of quotes. Please. Here. Uh Father, could you help an old altar boy? Oh, that's so and then, creepy. And then the priest like looks at him, gives him a nasty look, and then walks away. What kind of priest are you? Uh... <laughs> you gotta say. So I've taken a vow of poverty. Say something. Sorry, my son. Give him something. He's a homeless Catholic altar boy. Very uh, upset. Uh, uh, well, of course, we we mentioned why you do this to me, Dave. Near me, near me. Oh. Yeah. Uh, I love the part uh, when the psychiatrist is meeting with her. And she just grabs him by the balls. <laughs> That's what he that gets. was hilarious. That's that what he hilarious. gets with standing close. I, I used to work with little kids. You get up to their face when they're acting crazy, you're going to get a punch. So right. I, I guarantee you, next time he talks to a demon girl, he's not standing so close. I want to talk to the other personality. And so, ah! Not the giblets! Uh, yeah. at, at one point, the priest goes up to see uh, Reagan. And Carl, yep. uh, the husband of the German caretakers, yep. eat wants no straps. So Carl refers to Reagan now as, as it. it. Yeah, I noticed that. That, that was pretty they good. They just basically started strapping her to the bed to make sure she doesn't spaz out or punch somebody. I don't know, eat yeah. your face or something. She's a monster. Yeah. Um, I found it fascinating when they were talking to the bishop because unlike in the Warren things trying to get the catholic church to do all this stuff apparently just a quick five minute conversation with the bishop is all you need and they already have like a rolodex in their brains of people who are ready to do an exorcism at the drop of a hat but but for for the old priest he was like well he uh, merrick is better for this because he's been at uh all the foreign missions so he's better prepared are, are we well, he did it? it before in Africa, is what he said. He, he's done his exorcism previously, so he's the pro. But his the comment was he has more experience with, in foreign missions. So does that mean outside of the U.S., everybody's getting jacked up by demons left and right? It's constant demonic possession. That's what they say. At one point during some of her gurgling and laughing, I swear to you, it is the voice of Bert Lahr from the Wizard of Oz. Uh, uh, you think the Cowardly uh, Lion? I swear 
to you. I wrote it down. I'm like, is that but a mob, but a mob. Exactly. I'm like, is that Bert Lar? He helped I, out when he could, I think, on the script. Uh, I'm telling you, because there's so much sampling. They have multiple levels. There's like six tracks of voices running yes. over each other whenever she talks. So yep. who knows what they're throwing in there. But what, what are some other uh, good stuff? Um, well, in, in the one, the pea soup is a classic. Yep. I well, mean, they said they, they were going to use Campbell's, but it didn't have the right consistency. So they went with Pea Soup Anderson's recipe. So shut, there you go. Shut your mouth. Absolutely true. I will tell you, I love Pea Soup Anderson's. It's and, great. And for those of our fans outside of California, Pea Soup Anderson, they have two locations in California, but they're supposed to be like, they're fake Dutch, Right. Isn't that what's uh, Dan- Danish, Danish, Danish. Danish. Okay. Yeah. So the main one is in a town called, outside of uh, a town called Solvang. So right. it's in Muleton. So it's a giant windmill. And then there's a Danish town. I yep. don't know if they're full of Danes, but they're famous for their pea soup. Well, it's a real town. I mean, it's not. But I mean, I don't, it looks like the Disneyland of town. I don't know. I mean, it's not like Walnut Grove where it just happens to be a bunch of Dutch people. It's I mean, just every place is selling weird Dutch candy and blue plates. You know what I mean? Yeah. How but many... that's like Colonial Williamsburg or something. It's not like people are wandering around in costumes. Except that is Colonial. It's been there for a long time. I don't even true. know what the story of, of Solvang is, how long that's been. But anyway, it's famous for the Traveler Special. So for $11, you could have all the pea soup and onion rolls that you can get. So there you have it. Obviously yeah. a California production to know about pea soup Anderson. Just roll in there and say, give me the Father Karras. They'll know exactly what you're Father talking Karras. about. Give me the Father And if you could just spray it all over me, <laughs> more's the better. More's the better. Of course. And there's that. I mean, it's a wonderful day for an exorcism. You know, yeah. ah, there's just, just solid gold all through this movie. It is uh, dynamite. I had only seen it on TV for like a thousand years, only on mm-hmm. TV. Uh, so the first time I saw it outside of TV where she's grabbing a, cu- a crucifix and shoving it up her hoo-ha, that was quite a shock. As if the whole thing wasn't disturbing enough to begin with. Absolutely. It's, it's, it's rough. It is it's rough, rough around the edges. My mother was so disturbed when she saw it. Once I was in the bathroom trying to watch The Exorcist, mom walk in, walked in and ordered me to turn it off. Even though I was at the other end of the house because she could not relax knowing it was on somewhere in the house. Well, I mean, she was about to call Father Karras on you a few times, if I recall. I ain't dead yet. Still possible. (laughs) Still possible. (laughs) Wah, wah, wah. (laughs) Um, I love the fact that Lieutenant Kinderman, whenever he'd interview a suspect, ended it with like, hey, you want to go to the movies? I have no friends. I got passes to the movies later. I don't even know. I don't even know what that's about. That was so weird. Right. It's weird. It's a weird situation. I don't know why. Hey, I could deport you if you don't answer my questions. 
But until that day, I got tickets to the matinee. What do you think? And they're like, uh, thanks for nothing. Although I think Father Dyer at the end does agree to go with them to the movie. So that was nice of him. God, God. <laughs> Good times. Anything else? Now you can tell me your favorite parts. Oh, I, to- I mean, frankly, it's all so good. But I, like I said previously, for me, when it really kicks in is the final 20 minutes or so. When it's Father Marin and Father Karras trying to drive the, the devil out of her. It is so good. It's like, it's like the pedal to the metal, full throttle, pea soup up the yin-yang. It is great. So now did you watch the, the version with the spider baby? Yes. That okay. Back in the in the 70s, they filmed the scene and actually hired like a contortionist. So like literally, um Reagan McNeil is played by like three or four different actresses over the course of this movie. Um so they hired one to do a crazy crab walk backwards down the stairs. Oh yeah. Uh, when they discover that Burke's been killed. It goes like, the guy comes to the house and I suppose you've heard that Burke fell down the stairs and is now dead. And then, oh my God. And then it's smash cut to her immediately coming down the stairs, crawling down there with a mouthful of blood. Um, they filmed that scene and then they got rid of it because they could not figure out a way it looked really hokey. However, when they re-released the movie in the early 2000s, technology had improved. So they were able to, to re-add that scene in there and digitally get rid of the wires to increase it. I don't, I don't know if it, if it improves the film all that much, but it's there. It's that, that's kind of, you know you're watching the director's cut when you see the crazy spider walk down the stairs. It's a good times. Um, I don't know. I mean, there, there really isn't, other than the ending, the ending is dynamite. The rest of the scenes are just great. I don't know what else to say. There's a lot of peeing on the floor, a lot of projectile vomiting. Yeah, I mean, Reagan was a party killer. Everybody was having a good old time until your 12-year-old daughter comes out and, pee- and, and, and announces they're all gonna die. Well, she turns to the astronaut. The astronaut's like, yeah, I'm going up next week. And she turns to him and she's like, yeah, you're gonna die up there. You're gonna die up there and then pees on the floor. That's a party foul. That's a party foul. That's a party foul. So that's your shitty daughter who's decided that you guys are having too much fun and everybody needs to go home. And why can't? Why do I have to go to bed early? Why that's can't exactly I right. have some of the port wine cheese ball? Why do I have to hide in my room while you guys are all having a good time? That's how they do it. That's how they do it. For God's sakes. I will tell you, I've just spent 20 minutes Googling Bert Lahr sampled voice of the exorcist and didn't find anything i still stand by this and obviously i'm the first one to discover this and i'm yes. saying it's a fact uh okay <laughs> well i'll write that down okay no uh, uh, let's uh, let's go to the behind the scenes are you ready i'm ready uh linda blair received death threats for six months and she actually had uh bodyguards protecting her uh, paid for by uh, Warner Brothers because religious zealots believe the film glorified Satan. I'm not sure how go. that glor- really glorified anything. Well, I, I think if you are a very religious person, all of the, you know, uh, crucifixes up your zach scenes, 
uh, all the demon talk was was kind of bothersome to you. I th- it was the only thing I could think of. Maybe. Uh, um, yeah. I mean, I, to me, it didn't glorify anything because it seems like in all these movies where you're either possessed or you trade something for, you know, whatever with the devil, it never seems to really work out. No, it doesn't. Uh, let's see. The scene where Father Karras takes a mouthful of pea soup, um, that was, it wasn't supposed to happen that way. He was supposed to get hit in the, in the chest, but the tube misfired and hit him in the face, so his look of disgust is real. <laughs> right on. He's Th- horrified. That was genius. Yeah. They only did one take, as you might imagine. Um, you don't need more see. than one take. Um, Linda Blair's delivery of her foul mouth dialogue so disturbed Max von Sydow that he forgot his line. I bet. He was horrified. Um, evidently, William Friedkin, the director of this movie, uh, did a lot of things to kind of get genuine reactions that frankly pissed off the uh the cast one point he's firing blanks next to uh father Karras's head to get like a shocked reaction oh sorry Uh, (laughs) um jason miller who played father Karras, basically had to be restrained he's like i'm an actor i can act like i'm shocked (laughs) you don't have to do these things bastard Um, this is Warner Brothers' highest-grossing film of all time when adjusted for inflation. So that's important to know. Uh, Jack Nicholson was up for the role of Father Karras, but William Friedkin thought that he was too unholy to ever play a Hell priest. Hell yeah! There's nothing, yeah. there's nothing priest-like in Nicholson. <laughs> you know, He's very it, priestly. It'd be Jack Torrance from The Shining as the priest. <laughs> um, pretty much. Well, people, I mean, purists don't think Jack Nicholson should have been cast in that role either, because he's already seems strange and peculiar from the from Jump Street. Um, what else? Linda Blair was nominated for Academy Award for this movie, uh, but it caused some controversy because most of the time the voice you hear is not her voice; it is a uh, actress named Mercedes McCambridge who did all sorts of things to give that kind of gravelly voice and initially did not want to be credited for the movie. Because it's so She foul. felt it was scarier. Well, no, she thought it was scarier for the audience to think that it did all come from Linda Blair. But when the movie got all these accolades and she got nominated, she came forward and actually sued for credit. Oh. And um, the Academy wanted to take away the nomination from Linda Blair, but I guess there's some bylaw that says you can't take away the nomination. Well, I, so. I'm reading now. So the character Blair added voices, a dude named Ron F- uh, Faber, and, but uh, Mercedes McCamp uh, was the main Yeah, person. you know her, don't you? So <laughs> I'm still trying to find prove my Burt Lahr theory, but I don't see it. And Burt Lahr helped out. <laughs> was he even alive when this movie came out? For God's yes, sake. that's the demon that possessed Linda Blair. William Peter Blatty, who wrote the novel. Yes. Uh, he won $10,000 on the Groucho Marx show, You Bet Your Life. Yes. And when Groucho Marx asked him what he was going to do with his money, he said, I'm going to take some time off to write a book. 
and that became the exorcist right on so there you go good for you there you go uh lieutenant kinderman mentioned that they're going to see othello with groucho Marx in it as kind of a little <laughs> sweet um you know they made two sequels the horribly reviewed uh exorcist 2 the heretic with linda blair and i think richard burton is it oh there? poor richard burton he must have been drinking hard but i think linda blair was doing a few things herself at this point they, they the audiences were laughing at the end, so they went back and reshot oh, the end. And no. it, worse, and it was a horror show. Then, uh, in the late 80s, early 90s, I'm not sure what year it was actually, uh, they released Exorcist 3, which was written and directed by William Peter Blatty. Originally, it was just going to be called Legion. And in it, it was the Father Karras character becomes like a serial killer. What? Um, First of all, he's well, dead. Well, here's the thing. They, okay, there are a series of murders that are occurring around D.C., okay? And Lieutenant Kinderman, Lee J. Cobb from the first movie who had since died, they replaced him with George C. Scott. Okay. He is trying to find out, you know, cause of the murders. And he goes to a psycho ward and they find an unnamed patient, and that is revealed to be Father Karras. Hey, that makes no sense, because he was well-liked. He's a priest. But he's possessed. Well, He's still possessed by the demon, is basically the, the, the idea. The other priest was given him last rites at the end. So you figure the ambulance took him away, or, or the, the meat wagon, no one checked on him? Well, they thought he was dead, but it was a mistake, evidently. Um, Father, Caramba. so they replaced Father Karras with Brad Dorif, our friend from Body Parts. Oh, Lord. Uh, they, like I said, uh, George C. Scott was now Lieutenant Kinderman, and Father Dwyer was, was uh, replaced uh, by an actor named, oh man, I can look it up, but I'm not going to. He was famous for being in a, uh, St. Elsewhere. And for Salem's Lot, the TV movie. All right. They replaced him with that actor. And this, his name's like Ned Flanders, but that's not right. It's something okay, like tell that. Tell me, who you, did he play? Oh, is it that one dude who was on Any Which Way But Loose? No. Uh oh. No, he played, I don't even remember the character's name in Salem's Lot. He's the guy who gets impaled on the antlers by James Mason later in the movie. Well, dig so a, there you dig go. A dog, Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Um, so, but it was going to be called Legion because there wasn't going to be any exorcisms that occur in the movie. And the studio just actually possessions. Them... Right. Well, it was just, it was kind of like this uh, police thriller kind of thing. Okay. The, the studio made them put, change the name to Exorcist 3 and made him add an exorcism into it just to deal with it. And at that point, and they also said, and you have to bring back the real actor who plays Father Karras, Jason Miller. They brought him back. Problem is, is that Jason Miller was a heavy drinker. Oh, he, he, oh, he, had he what's looked called, like a heavy drinker, too. He had what's called water on the brain from so much drinking, so he could barely remember his lines. Oh, my God. It's, it, was, it was a horror Hydrocephalus show. or something? S something like that. And uh, because of that, they had to constantly cut back and forth between Brad Dorif and Jason Miller. Oh, my Lord. Like, when he was fully demonized, then it would be Jason Miller. And when it was just kind of regular serial killer. Okay. Who the hell knows? All right. So they talked you. about it. 
they talked about it on Joe Bob last season. If you want to check it out, but it, regardless, it has a lot of uh, a lot of creepy imagery in it, and it actually was listed in that uh, documentary I watched: fifty best horror movies you've never seen. Exorcist three. I, I was watching because uh, uh, I my TV's on Reels or Discovery ID all the time, where you don't even yeah. have to look at the TV; you just hear the jib jab. And they were doing a whole thing on The Exorcist. But it was, it, they, they take a movie or, and, and trace it back to its reality. So, yeah. so we'll, do, we'll talk about that behind the scenes. We're still doing behind the scenes, for God's sake. Max von Sydow, who played the elderly father Marin, was 44. He was my, oh my age God. when he filmed this movie. Oh and they God. had to do extensive years like, makeup. Than him. Oh, sweet baby Jesus. Well, they, they made him look older. They I think people they gave him white hair. People just looked older. Well, <laughs> he he doesn't know why they cast him for such a role, although he's dynamite. He is perfect. He is great. Well, He's, he he, he doesn't normally f up uh, in his parts. He's always great. So I was watching reels as you know. This is the time of Corona, and I can either organize things all day long, or I can watch TV. So my, my it's a compromise. I will work a little bit and then go watch whatever the hell's on reels or ID Discovery. So they had a thing, and I can't remember the name of the show, but they had one on Jaws, like. The book is based on this this real event. So they right. did the same thing with Exorcist. So the Exorcist, there's the book, there's the, the movie, and then there's the real event. So the real event is this happened to, I think, a 14-year-old boy in, like, Maryland. And I think he's still alive. But like, the, like Reagan in our movie, after it happened, he had no memory. But instead of this being like a day, this thing, the real one went on for months and months right. and months. Nice. And they, I mean, this person is like an old grown up. They may even be passed away, the real person, but never spoke of it. Refuse all interviews. I think he even changed his name. He just disappeared from the world. <laughs> Instead of Reagan McNeil, it became Ronald Reagan. It became Ronald Reagan. And you can tell at the end of the life, end of his life, they had to go back and erase his memory because uh, that's, that's why. What happened. That's why he doesn't remember Iran Contra or anything else. Little known fact. <laughs> Beautiful. So that was kind of interesting. So, like, like our Enfield poltergeist and all that. I mean. They don't give a lot of details because, of course, the priest, they have the name of the priest who was there and all of this stuff. But everybody's been very closed mouth about it. So I can't say as I blame them. And then, of course, exorcisms are on the uptick. So I'm not saying what town I am, but I probably have said it in other episodes. But we have have maybe had a priest here who in fact it earlier in his career was involved with an exorcism and, and has gone to Rome for uh, extended training in exorcisms how about and they that? said we need to send him to the epicenter 
of demonic possession. Yeah, I'm assuming this whole QAnon thing is a form of demon possession. It absolutely is, no uh, question. So we need to, I, quite frankly, if I see people without masks, I just throw holy water on them. You're doing them a favor. The in power honesty. of Christ compels you. Put your MF mask on, you son of a whore. And I, I just wear red shoes all day just to, just to mess with people. Let them say something. You heard that, right? No. What's the red shoes? Oh, so many weird pedo uh, conspiracies. Well, one, one of the, the, the crazy conspiracies is you only get coronavirus if you're a pedophile. Or the other one is you know a pedophile because they wear red shoes. Interesting. Yeah, I was literally at getting my hair done, and they were talking about the red shoes, red shoes. I'm like, oh, sweet baby Jesus. Let me file that away. Exactly. Instead of instead of the the poor Native American man who in the 70s uh, would have a single tear because America is such a shame. So now we just have poor baby Jesus when he sees people with their QAnon bullcrap. You just see a, a tiny baby Jesus tear coming down. <laughs> I know I do. <laughs> they wanted, originally the studio wanted Marlon Brando to play Father no. Marin, but William Friedkin nixed it because it would have been a Marlon Brando. Yeah, no thanks. At that point. No, no. So they so, said, so, thanks for nothing. Yeah. Ta, 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 ta. Uh, Linda Blair injured her back in that scene where she's being whipped around back and forth, yeah. back and forth. And Ellen Burstyn received a permanent spinal injury when she gets knocked back against the wall and falls on her back damn all sorts of stuff were going on there it's a sad situation yeah i think nowadays they try not to kill their actors they try <laughs> they make no they make no guarantees um yeah that's about it anything else uh -huh. you want to say I was surprised by its uh, lower ratings on Rotten Tomatoes. It was only an 82. Well, it's, it's higher for the, uh, the fans, 87. I think it's much better than that, obviously. Of course it is. Uh, just a couple of things. Um, before she became totally possessed, she referred yep. to the demon as Captain Howdy. And yes. it doesn't... Uh, house of a thousand corpses call somebody captain howdy i think so now somebody made the point that howdy was her father's nickname her father's nickname her name was howard so it was the to kind of weasel his way in uh into her soul or something along those lines one scene that i didn't mention that i thought was dynamite was uh the help me on the belly. Oh, that was great. That was great. All right. I, when I was in Europe, I had this self tanner. It was like Chanel. It was fabulous. So that's what we did. We painted on my friend's stomach. Help me in self bronzer. So then she had dark brown writing on her stomach. We might <laughs> we might have been in con getting ready to go to the beach. So this is this is good stuff here. It's solid as rock. Do you want to talk about the cast? All I can tell you is normally I don't like Ellen Burstyn, but she was dynamite, of course, in this. She was great. I she... mean, Linda Blair, first of all, who would let their daughter play this role? This is an excellent question. I think this damaged her for the rest of her life. I absolutely did. 
Ellen Burstyn, you know her from Requiem for a Dream, Alice mm-hmm. Doesn't Live Here Anymore, The Last Picture Show, and of course, this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, Max von Sydow, most famously The Seventh Seal. I never saw uh, that. He was also in Flash Gordon as Ming the Merciless. Oh, Lord. Minority Report. I liked him in Strange Brew myself. I love Strange Brew. Uh, Linda Blair. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I'm trying to think. Uh, Most famously for this movie, but she was also doing such films as Savage Streets, Hell Night, and Roller Boogie. Oh, Roller Boogie, that's a classic. What about Cannibal Roller Holocaust? Roller Boogie. Not in Cannibal Holocaust, I'm sad to say. <laughs> Look, Lieutenant Kinderman was Lee J. Cobb, a 12 Angry Men on the Waterfront, Exodus. He's a famous Hollywood actor, obviously. Uh, it sounds like it. Father Karras was played by Jason Miller, who's actually a famous playwright. He I wrote... did not know that. Yes, he Any... wrote. Anything I know? No. He, he wrote the uh, the play, The Championship Season, that championship oh. season, which was made into a movie uh, very, I mean, very well respected, much more as a playwright than as an actor. Uh, he is also the father of Jason Patrick, what? who you might remember from The Lost Boys um, and other things. Speed oh, yeah. two cruise control. He he, he was a, a a tasty bit of of deliciousness back in the day. But now yep. I can see it. They both have those brooding eyes. Brooding eyes. So Looking you into your soul, or they're going to cry at any minute, or jump off a building. Anything is possible. Mm-hmm. Um, they actually fired William Friedkin fired the original uh, guy who composed the soundtrack. And brought in the tubular bells. The dee dee dee. I can't even do it. What does the tubular bell sound like? That's not it. Anyway, whatever the hell it is, that was actually a song that was released just as music. Michael film. It was like Chuck Mangione before Chuck Mangione. That kind of instrumental music. So he heard it and was like, "This is going in." And it's the way they hit it, it's just dynamite. Dynamite. Yeah. It's a good times. Good cast. I was looking like for just one composer, but they have like four different people listed for uh, supplying the music for this. William Friedkin, the director, is famous for The French Connection. I love The French Connection. Uh, And other things. I'm not even going to talk about it. He did the some other stuff. The he did some other crap, Ola. But but nothing beats the French Connection. French Connection is dynamite. With uh, Gene Hackman and Roy I, Scheider. Oh my God! You know I love Gene Hackman and Roy Scheider. They are. The it's French a good connection. combination. They are. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about our ratings. We already spilled the beans that it is what eighty six percent, yeah, eighty two percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which seems very low to me. Yeah. That what are your thoughts? I honestly would give it, hang on, let let, let me hear this for a second. I would give it five out of five cups of pea soup Anderson. (laughs) Five out of five. I think, oh, sweet Jesus. Oh my God, I'm trying to put the music on. Stupid YouTube is giving me an ad. Here we go. Oh, it's live. Mike Oldfield and company. Tubular Bells. 
Let's hear it. Can you hear it? No, I hear nothing. <laughs> My stupid Mac is so quiet. I you, you can kind of hear. Da, 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 does that help you, audience? <laughs> I don't know if it helps me. Sweet Jesus. Maybe you can, I, can put a little bump at the end with the actual music. Yes, I will give it seven out of eight Burks getting shot out the window and falling down the stairs. So there you have it. Good times. Or five out of five Birkin hairs. That's, that's exactly what it is. So there you have it. Thank you for joining us. Go to our page on Facebook at the podcast that wouldn't die. Go to our page on Twitter at T podcast TW die. You can email us at the podcast that wouldn't die at Gmail. We are on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, etc., etc. And Aaron, you're on Twitter. I am on Twitter. What is it? <laughs> Damn your eyes. I'm on Twitter as the Cult of Aaron. And if you join the cult, we'll sit around like in a Quaker circle and we'll just listen to tubular bells for hours and hours and hours. That's all you need to do. And I'm watching this video and these are like rock and roll looking dudes just rocking out to their tubular bells part one here in 1973. Are they literally tubular bells? It is literally a guy on a piano... A With guy a and a guitar, spiel. they look like they could possibly be Doobie Brothers because they all have the long hair and, and bad blonde mustaches. Wearing, Perfect. Well, even though they're on TV, they're wearing like tank tops and stuff. It's, it's pure 70s. That's a classic. <laughs> so thank you very much and be well. Later, skaters. Don't be dicks. Wear a mask. Corona's real. Uh, QAnon will send you to hell. <laughs> The end.